Hi, I'm Sarah Baker. Welcome to Mama Stories. I created Mama Stories after seeing how impactful sharing stories can be in overcoming the challenges of motherhood. I am where I am today because of the stories of so many amazing strong mamas. And I want to share that with anyone I can. So follow along to laugh, cry, and be empowered. On the show today, we have Jen. Uh, Jen, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Portland, Oregon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's talk all about motherhood. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so thanks for having me. So I, um, I am an OBGYN and my husband is a pediatrician. And we met in medical school. He was a year ahead of me and was the president of a club. And I guess I, you know, that just the power, the power of that I could not resist. Yes, of course. <laughs> and, uh, so we met that way. And also it was great because he could give me all the study tips since he was a year ahead. So I think oh, he really, that's nice. I think he academically helped me very much. Um, and then we couples matched. So when you are done with medical school and then you do your specialty training, your residency training, it's, it's kind of like a weird dating process where you apply and programs interview you and you make your match list and they make their match list and the computer makes it work. And, you throw the extra monkey wrench of doing a couples match um, where you say, we will only go to a place that will take both of us. Um, so it can be kind of limiting. And so you we, guys were already serious enough to be like, if we're going to yeah, start, you yes. dated all through medical school or we did. And then we got, we were engaged um, mm, our third year, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. No, we, so we went to medical school in new Orleans. We both went to Tulane and we were there at the time of hurricane Katrina, which was oh, super wow. fun. Um, and it was sort of that event where I think after we had evacuated and the craziness that ensued, I think we were like, you know, if we can do this, we can probably be married and do mm -hmm. anything. So, um, so then we were engaged and then we got married right at the end of medical school, right before residency. So in that interview time, we were engaged. And so we interviewed everywhere because you need to play the odds game. And we ended up, um, we had no connections to the Pacific Northwest, but we interviewed at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon. And we just loved both the programs. So we matched and we ranked that and we matched there. Um, and then we got married, like I said, right at the, before we started residency. And I was the kind of girl, I was never going to have kids because I was a working woman and mm -hmm. I was going to, um, you know, I was not going to let kids get in the way of my high powered career and all that stuff. And then that went out the window. My friends started having <laughs> babies and you know, I, it, there's no perfect time. I think if there's anything people can take away is that there's no perfect time to have kids. Um, and yeah. my last year of residency, we call that our chief year. That's when I had, we had our first, um, in December. So right in the middle of my last year of training. And, um, that was, that was crazy. Um, it was, I mean, it was the perfect time for us, but it was the hardest six months of my life to then go back and finish. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, it was, um, just craziness. And then we, um, finished residency and moved back to the Northeast for a bit and, um, worked there. And then as soon as we got there, we realized, why did we leave the Pacific Northwest? And so we, um, moved back to Portland, um, in 2014 and we've been here ever since. And then, um, the day that we got back into Portland was the day I found out I was pregnant with our second. And so I've got two mm -hmm. boys, they're four and a half years apart. And they were two very different pregnancies, you know, going from being in residency and working 80 hours a week wow. and having six, six weeks off of maternity leave. And I had to pay back two of those weeks to um, having what I call my attending baby, my youngest, who's now four and a half, um, where I worked very little. I was doing what we call like locums or temporary work. I didn't want to sign a contract or start with a, um, sign with a hospital until I had delivered because I just kind of wasn't sure where things were going to land. And, wow. um, and, you know, I stopped working at 35 weeks um, and I took three and a half months off. Whereas with my first, I worked that day that I gave birth. Wow. <laughs> um, and so they were very different experiences and they're both yeah. very different kids. And I'm not quite sure if that's why, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now I'm still working. I work as an OB hospitalist. So I work just in labor and delivery. I work, um, 12 hour shifts. So that means I don't, you know, I know when I work, um, I'm not having to go in for emergencies or staying late for the most part. And my husband works as a general pediatrician in private practice and he works three days a week. And I fit my shifts in 
um, around his. And so I have found that working part-time, so coming from a girl who is never going to do anything but, <laughs> um, but work now works part-time. And as my kids have gotten older, I've ramped that up to a point that I feel comfortable with. Um, and it's a, it's a light, if you had asked me 10 years ago, if that's what my life would be, I, I would have said, absolutely not. That's, you know, cause you know, everything and you know exactly yeah, yeah. what your life's going to look at. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my life in a nutshell right now. <laughs> so do you think that, like, did you ever envision that like being a doctor, it was going to be impossible for you to have a family or were you just from the beginning, like early days, like I'm, I don't really know if I want a family. You know, I, so I think, um, growing up, my mom was 19 when she had me and my dad was 20 and they were, you know, I'm the first person in my family to go to college and do anything, you know, beyond college. They didn't graduate from high school. They had a very, you know, our life was hard. We were financially, Mm -hmm. um, challenged. They worked at some point, they had four jobs between them so that I could go to a private school. And, And it was always about education, education, Jen, don't screw up. Don't be like us. Don't have kids. You know, they were like, you see us, we're, we're total mess ups. And I was like, but, but you're my parents. And yeah. <laughs> but so in my head, it was drilled in from a very early age that it was all about education and about yeah, doing a job that you love and kids, you know, you don't have to have kids to be successful. So it was like the total opposite of what I feel most girls are told, which is, you know, when are you going to give me babies and grandbabies? And it was the complete opposite. Every time I brought you know, I would date a guy and they're like, don't you dare, you know, go off track. And, <laughs> and my now husband, so we met in medical school. I was already on the path to like doing what I, you know, I think was pretty good. Yeah. And they met him and they're like, well, don't drop out of medical school for him. And I'm like, but he's in medical school. Why would I ever do that? Like they were so <laughs> petrified. So I think a lot of it mm. was that, was that, um, that fear almost. And I totally understand why they did it. They had the total opposite life and they didn't want that for me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we laugh about it now, you know, I've got, obviously sure. I've got two kids and, and they love, and we joke, we're like, yes, you know, my downbeat husband here, you guys were so worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah. You know, it's, I get it though, because even the picture that's painted, I would say even today for girls, you know, mm-hmm. is like, if you have a baby, that's it. It's not right. like you have a baby and you have a career. I mean, I know there's this really right. big movement of like women can have whatever they want and mm-hmm. they can have both. But I, I still think that there's a lot of fear and uncertainty of like, well, what am I sacrificing then? Like I can Absolutely. have both for sure, but like what happens? Right, right. So I totally get that. I think that's mm-hmm. a very valid concern that your parents had of like, mm-hmm. wait a second, yeah. we started young or... Um, you know, we weren't able to do the things we wanted to do. And then secondly, them being like, look at you, you have this crazy shot. Don't mess it up. Yeah. Don't screw it up, Jim. It's like, okay, I won't. <laughs> so but at some point you have to realize I'm going to be okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm sure they yes. know that now. I think so. I hope so. That's yeah. Good. <laughs> no, they do. They do. <laughs> so here you are pregnant. Are you like, mm-hmm. Terrible. Like, are, are are you bringing back to those thoughts of like, oh my gosh, mm. what did I just do? I'm in my last year of residency. Yeah. I, so you know, it was one of those things. That's my personality, and maybe that's why I'm in a surgical field. Like, once I decide something, like that's it, and I know it, okay. and I've committed. And so it wasn't that I was at all worried. I would say the hardest thing for both my husband and I was, um, you know, we know too much. We know, and we see all the things that could go wrong. Mm. And we see all the complications of pregnancy. We see the preterm births. I would say that when I was pregnant around that periviable time, so that's the time when sometimes babies survive, sometimes they don't, or they do with complications, like that 23, 24, 25 weeks of pregnancy, mm-hmm. that was the scariest time. you know. And I'm working on labor and delivery, and I'm delivering babies that are as far along as I am. And I'm, and, and so I just kept thinking like, oh gosh, just, just get to 30 weeks, just get to 32 weeks, just, oh, yeah. just get that's to, terrifying. you know. And, and so for both pregnancies, once we got past like the 32 week mark, we felt less stressed. Um, but I think when you know too much, it could be really scary. And it was helpful that I was also around, you know, our friends, we were, we were in the exact same position. So I didn't feel like I was doing this alone and I was crazy. You know, I could talk to people about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It can, it can be scary. I will say uh, my husband and I have always decided like one and done. That's always been our thing. Mm-hmm. Like we just want one. We want to 
we believe in like the ratio power of two against one. And yes. <laughs> that's just kind of yes. where our, <laughs> our ship sails. But yeah. as I've, you know, gone through the stages of motherhood and I've been like, well, maybe I do want to. And like, what's mm-hmm. the impact of like just being an only child? Anyways, now yeah. that I've done this podcast and we've interviewed these phenomenal moms with all these different experiences mm-hmm. his number one thing is is like no like now I know too much I couldn't <laughs> like for him he's like yeah. I cannot I can't if you got pregnant I can't do it I can't lose right? you yeah. I can't yeah. what am no. I can't do this alone and so I almost feel fortunate that I didn't know some of these stories before I went in because yep. yeah Absolutely. I do wonder what type of stress that would have put on me or yeah. my baby thinking about all these things that could happen. Yeah. Ignorance can be bliss. And it yes. was the same thing with my mother. She said, okay, so you had one, you got through the pregnancy. You're not going to have another kid, are you? Cause I'm an only child too. And so she was mm. like, one's plenty. And for a while, you know, I didn't know. And then, you know, we decided to have a second. And then when I texted her a picture of him and I called her, she said, please tell me this is it. Like, I can't, I'm so nervous. <laughs> and you know, you're my daughter. I said, yes, mom, we're done. Like, she's like, thank God. <laughs> Yeah. So I get it. I totally get it. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah. So did you like growing up as an only child? Now this is going to be my opportunity to understand if I'm making the right decision. I loved growing up as an only child, but I feel like my opinion has changed more recently, but I can tell you, I loved having the house to myself. I loved Mm -hmm. it being quiet. I loved that I could read a book. I loved that on Christmas morning, there wasn't me and a brother or sister fighting over like who gets mm. which present. And, um, and so it's hard for me. So now not only am I a mom of two, but I'm the mom of two boys and they are so different than girls. Mm. And I know we can say that girls, of course they can have whatever job and do anything as good or maybe better than a guy, but like the biology is different. Like yeah. when you look at boys and girls at a park, like it's not bad, it's just different. Yeah. And so I've got these crazy loud boys and Thankfully, my husband had a brother, so I can say to him, this can't be normal. Like, this level, <laughs> this is not. And he's like, no, no, Jen, this is. And so, um, and so it's crazy, and, and, I, and that even reinforces, like, why I was so glad to be an only child. But then I see the two of them. It is adorable to watch my yeah. nine-year-old teach my four-and-a-half-year-old, and my four-and-a-half-year-old thinks that he is God, like, mm, on earth. Like, sweet. he is just, if I can't get him to do something, I'll just say, Henry, can you just get your brother to, you know, can you, and he'll say it and oh yeah, of course I'll do it. So, um, and I think down the road, especially, you know, as my parents are getting older, I think what I'll need to do and not have a brother or sister to lean on. Yeah. Um, that kind of makes me a little, you know, like, oh, I wish I could just have somebody to call and say, mom is driving me nuts. But you know, what I tell people, cause I see the same thing, you know, women who are like, I only had one and I feel so guilty or mm-hmm. I have two it doesn't matter. They're going to be fine. They're going to yeah. be fine. As long as it's what was right for your family, it's going to be just fine. You know, you decide what's right for you. Um, and, and it'll work out like as long as you're yeah. doing your job. Yeah. Even if I had the yeah. greatest desire to do all those things you just described or to witness mm-hmm. them, I don't think I could go mm-hmm. back to that newborn phase. Like I just, oh gosh, that was the I hardest just part. don't think I could that do was- it. That was the, so I loved having the gap that we did. Like we did that purposefully. We wanted four and a half years apart or not exactly, but you know, we wanted the kids to be, I wanted my oldest to be in school. So that way I would have, I just could not do two under two or like I would be running away. I'd be the lady that they're like, where did, where did that mother go? That would be me. Um, But the hardest thing was going back to the newborn stage after Mm. having a kid who was independent and. And now that's how I know I'm done because I look at babies and I'm like, you're adorable. And I'm going to give you back now. Like, and I'm giving away every Mm -hmm. time, like my youngest grows out of clothes, like they're barely off of him. I'm like, let's donate them. Like we're giving that away. And (laughs) so I think that's how, you know, when you're done, when you're happily throwing, like you're like, here, take it, take it away. (laughs) Yes. That's so funny. I love, well, just in general, I love to purge, which is. Mm-hmm. there's a it's lot so of fun. things brought up between yes. my husband with that. Cause he's not like yeah. that, but oh, yes, the second yeah. <laughs> Grayson grows out of something, I'm like, cool. Can I sell it? Can I yeah. get rid of it? Like, what can oh, I yeah. do to not have this in my house anymore? So Absolutely. yes, yeah. I, I feel you on the like purging of the things for sure. Yep. I'm always yep. trying to get rid of toys and Dustin's like, I think he's still playing with that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's fine. He doesn't even know it's here. And yeah. I don't know why I need way. to get rid of it. <laughs> I, do. I love it. It's like the control over the uncontrollable. And like, okay, I can do this. It's simpler now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, well, I, I'm pretty confident. I'm okay with just the one. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe at four years, I'll change my mind, but I don't know if I could do it. 
just like, now I have to buy all this new stuff. No, you know, it doesn't even matter if you keep it because it's useless because in four years, all the rules change. Everything's different. You're not supposed to do this. And then you are, and that's expired. And so it doesn't even matter if you keep it because it's all useless. I'm going to say a miracle would have to happen for us to have another baby. (laughs) It's just not really in the cards for us. Yeah. Yep. That is is just fine. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. My husband's an only child. So, but I come from a big family. So I also Mm -hmm. understand the, like the terribleness of that Christmas morning with the siblings, but also like the beauty of what that brings and Mm -hmm. what that brings later on in life. I just also don't know if I'm willing to do it again for me selfishly, yeah. like, I'm like, I don't know if I could do newborns and sleepless well, nights and, you give and up breastfeeding. So much. I mean, your body, your like, it's, you know, I mean, I loved being pregnant. I loved breastfeeding, but I also love that I am my, it's my body now and mm-hmm. I can go away to a conference or I don't have to worry. I don't live my life in three hour increments anymore. And I loved it when I did it. Um, but I'm also like, that's when, you know, like, you're past that stage now. Like yeah. I look back at that fondly and I would not want that right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. Oh, I totally yeah. hear you on that. Okay. Yeah. So after you had your first, you said you took six weeks off and then you went mm-hmm. right back to work. Yes. And it was really hard. Um, it was yeah. just super hard because I went back to residency hours. I mean, sometimes 24 hours, a little bit longer away. Um, and it was in, you know, January, which in the Pacific Northwest is like the saddest time of the year. So it's dark and it's bleak and, you know, and I just, and before I even had my oldest, you know, I knew about breastfeeding, right? Because I was training. I knew Mm -hmm. it was great and wonderful. And my husband knew it was great. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a whirl, but my life's really busy and I'm just, I don't see how that's going to work for me. And I loved it. And it was like, those six weeks of nursing. I mean, we had our challenges, but it was my favorite thing. And to then have to replace that with a pump. Mm. I mean, I would come home with bottles and I mean, imagine being away for 24 hours and just coming home with like a gallon of milk and having to be hooked up to this pump. And it just, it was so horrible. And just being a resident, um, you know, you're not in control of your life. Most people in my program were very supportive, um, but yeah. some were not. And the ones that were not were vocal and made it really hard. Vocal, and also like my, how? Like they found it very, um, they did not think it was right that a resident would have to say, leave the operating room to go pump or, you know, that patient oh, care God. might be compromised. Yeah. Even though I went to the, I know it was ridiculous. And I think, you know, things are getting better, but unfortunately this is the way of the world yeah. um, still. And so even though I went out of my way to make sure that nothing ever went uncovered. I came into work, you know, ridiculously early so that I would get my work done. I always had another person step in. Like there was never, there was never any compromising in any sort of care. Mm -hmm. What I love is that the chair of my department, when he was notified of this, he was like, well, of course I support her. She's doing exactly what she should be. So he went to that, but it just was this terrible feeling that Mm -hmm. these people were talking about me. They're talking about my breasts we're supposed to be in women's healthcare. These are obstetricians, right? Like this is what we do. And you are coming down hard on me for something that we're telling our patients to do. So it was super, it was, um, I spent the last six months of my residency very angry because I, I, you know, you have this pull to your child and you're having Mm -hmm. to leave and you're having to leave them for an extended period of time. And I'm sleep deprived and I'm pumping. And I just felt like, oh my God, is this ever going to end? Mm -hmm. Um, And then it did. And that was great. And we had the summer and I didn't start my work um, until, the fall. So we took the summer to move and get relocated after residency to take our, you know, our first grown up jobs, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was, I, I just, uh, it was you, again, you think, you know, what you're going to do, right? Like I'm yeah. not going to have kids or I'm, I'm going to breastfeed for six weeks and be done. And there I was, and he was almost two years old and we were still nursing. And it was just, it was my favorite part of parenting because it was the thing that I could do in the middle of the night when I was actually home and not at work. Um, but it was hard. It was super hard to, you know, to be delivering other women's babies mm. and not be able to be with mine. And of course I love doing that. I mean, that's yeah. my whole life, but to see that as, you know, I haven't seen my baby for 20 hours and here I am in a delivery and I'm leaking and because the baby's crying. And oh yeah. Oh God. <laughs> it's just the, you know, where I'd start to pump and we'd have to run to a C-section and it was just you're like, is this really my life? Um, and so that's why with my next, I was like, I'm not doing that again. Like I am not working up until the day that I deliver and I'm not going back and worrying about is everything perfect. And 
um, you know, in six weeks, I have to have everything figured out in the freezer, ready to go. And it yeah. was just, um, it was nice to be able to do that, but not everybody has that choice. And that's mm-hmm. so sad in this country. I mean, we treat yeah. women so terribly when it comes to motherhood and maternity leave, maternity leave. We just, we're so backwards in the United States when it comes to that. Yes, we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the yeah. idea of like you, I just, even for any job, like you pushed a human, I, okay, okay, whatever you mm-hmm. push out of your vagina, you got to cut out of your stomach, like whatever it is right, that yeah. happened. Like there is, there is something to recover from that. And if there oh, is yeah. data saying that one in seven women experience mm-hmm. some sort of postpartum depression or anxiety, like maybe oh, yeah. you should give these women some more time off without them having to be like, Hey, I'm also experiencing this. So I don't know if I can come back to work if they're comfortable right. enough even saying that. Like, right. Yeah. It's yeah. Just so and for crazy. me, it was, you know, I only had a certain amount of time that I could take off or I wouldn't be able to finish my program. Right. Um, and so I had to stay an extra two weeks and, you know, do whatever. And it was fine. But it was just, um, I remember, yeah, my first two weeks of maternity leave are great. And then once I hit that two weeks, it's like, okay, I've got four weeks left. I have to get everything figured out. We have to get a nanny. We have to make sure that we're pumping. I have to make sure that I, you know, you had to figure everything out and, um, it's just ridiculous. So now when I had my second and I remember I hit that six week mark, it it was so different because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not worrying about, you know, I feel like you don't even really start to have a clue until like three months. Like that's like when maybe the sun starts to shine a little bit more and Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay. Um, so to force women back to work before that. And I, you know, I'm lucky, right? There are women in this country who go back one week, two weeks afterwards because they have to eat. They're going to lose their job or their house. Like, that to me, it's insane. Like they're barely discharged from the hospital and they're going back to work. It's just crazy. Yeah. I was so fortunate that the company I was working for had put in a, um, like a leave, a parental leave and a maternity leave that was going to go into effect the following year. So Grayson was born August, 2017, and this was going to happen in 2018. And so they retroactive it for me four weeks. So I had vacation, I had personal. So I took Grayson was born on the 31st of August and I took the whole, I didn't have to go back to work till January something. Um, See, and that's, yeah. And it was beautiful. And and at that time, I mean, there was decisions I had to make. Like I was going to go back to work and so Mm -hmm. we're going to get a nanny or do some sort of daycare. And during that time, I think mentally, whether I knew it or not, I made the decision that I was not capable of going back to work. Like there was an anxiety Mm -hmm. and a depression that I was feeling that yeah. work was just not going to suit and nor would being away from Grayson suit. And so I'm so thankful I had that time to really digest that and what that was yeah. because right, exactly. Yeah. I don't know what my choice would have been. Yeah, no. And we were, and that's what was hard for me because I didn't have a choice. I had to finish my program. And I mean, I, I'm so glad I did because I love what I do every day, but yeah. in the midst of it, you're just thinking like, why can't I get a break? Um, mm-hmm. Luckily we were able to get a nanny and we were, we kind of had to do that because our hours were so insane. I mean, there were days I'd go into the hospital at five o'clock in the morning and my husband would still be at work from the night before. Like there's, wow. there's no normal daycare that works those hours. Yeah, yeah. So we were lucky we got a nanny and she, um, she was phenomenal. Like I just, uh, I mean, we still, um, we're still in touch with her. Like she's still, she'll come up, um, and she'll watch the kids, um, occasionally. Like we last spring, we went to wine country for a night and she mm. came and stayed with them. Like she's just, she was That's so cool. Such a huge part of me feeling okay. Leaving my son. Um, but then when we moved else, we moved, um, to the Northeast and I went back to work and I started out full-time now as an attending. So hours are definitely better than when you're a resident, but they're still really hard. Um, especially that first year out where you're just petrified that you're going to screw up. So you're at work so much longer, just making mm-hmm. sure. Cause now you're the one who's in charge and the nanny we got there. Um, it just wasn't the same. Um, yeah. she just, there wasn't that connection. She wasn't, I mean, she, she was great. I mean, she kept my child alive and she did everything. I never had a concern, but she was just not like that same person. And so that combined with, um, I started to get so depressed because I thought, oh my goodness, I just got through residency. Here we go. I've made it. And here I am back in it again. And now there's no time frame, right? There's no end. This is just my life. Yeah. And I love my work, but I can't do this full time and be the kind of mom that I want to be. And I'm not saying that people can't, it just wasn't working for me. Yeah. Um, and so at the end of that year, I had this nauseating conversation with my boss and said, I have to cut back or I just can't do this. Um, 
and nauseating because I'm a typical woman who doesn't like to, you know, make people feel bad. And then especially as a younger attending in medicine and you work so hard and remember where I came from was I'm never going to have kids to now I'm working part-time because of my kids. Like, who am I? Um, and it was the best decision I'd ever made. Mm. Like that first day when it went into effect, I was like, I was, my feet were not touching the ground and I've never looked Hmm. back and I've continued to be part-time a bit more than previously, but it's because my kids are older and it's because like my work brings me joy. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not, I'm not going to work dreading the time away or feeling guilty. It's the fact that, um, they're working together and there's no such thing as balance. It's just that today I'm doing this. I'm wearing this hat tomorrow. I'll wear a different hat, but I've got enough time to be able to do both and not feel, um, pulled in too many directions and if you are like you're never going to be happy and it's yeah. so sad in this country so many women have to go back to work or have to do things and because childcare is so ridiculously expensive and you know oh my um, gosh I remember there was this ugh. place we were looking at and I mean again we were, we we're both very fortunate and made good money with our company that we had all both worked at for many years and mm-hmm. I mean there was this childcare that was like I don't know. They did like retina scans to make sure your child's were safe. Like yes, you walked yeah. into the door with like, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking like $2,500 a month. I was like, okay, oh, we yeah. don't make that good of money. Like, what is yeah. this? This is a lot of money to pay. And yeah. it was like teaching childhood science to your six week old. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, there's a part of me that's just like, okay, can you make sure that they're fed? Can I right. see them on a camera? Cause I'm obsessed. And mm-hmm. can yeah. you just make sure they're alive and held? Like, that's it. But I like, know. I don't need them to learn science. How much can you deduct right. if you don't take them to that class? Like, I don't know. It's just well, so and then expensive. You're just, you're just working to pay the daycare. And so yes. for so many moms, they end up, they want to work, but they end up staying home because they're like, well, everything is going to daycare. Yeah. Um, if there's, you know, there's lots of things we could do better in this country, but if we could do some sort of universal daycare, preschool, I mean, like they do in France, like they do in other places. If you can't give women a year off, help them, go, help them stay. They, they want to work. And if we do this, they are going to stay in the workforce force longer. If that's what they want to do, they're not going to feel like they have to quit. If that's not what they truly want to do, they shouldn't be forced to financially. Yeah. Um, well, and I'll yeah. tell you, like, I wish I had that like autonomy to be able to mm-hmm. make a decision like that because right. I, I would have loved to figure out like what worked well for me with work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's something that I think a lot of women want. It just is that in our world, or I guess in my world, it was like Mm -hmm. one or the other, like I had to work full time and my full time job required me to travel. And so that would be weeks and states away and all these scary things. And so it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. And workplaces need to be more flexible. I mean, it's, you know, in this day and age, why are we requiring people to be in an office from nine to five when we can do so many things remotely or we can yes. um, share positions? I mean, we need to be more creative because face it, women are now, you know, in the workforce and mass and you can't have the same setup that you did back in 1940 when it was all men. Like it just doesn't work. <laughs> well, and I will tell you that I had a boss who told me once, and I don't know if this was like exactly what he was saying, but I take it as this now, but he was saying to me, like, once you become a mom, mm-hmm. it's going to change for you. Like when things would happen, he'd be like, you just, cause I was pregnant or he knew mm-hmm. I was going to become a mom or I was asking him questions or whatever, nothing inappropriate, but he was like, you know, yeah. you're going to change. Like your mindset's going to change. Your whatever's going to change. This is going to be better. And I always thought, whatever your guy, what mm-hmm. are you talking about? Yeah. But yeah. I'm not kidding you. Businesses would be silly not to invest in moms. Like the things I have learned as a mom, the Mm -hmm. patience, the skills, the communication skills I've picked up, like the ability to like relate to other people, the compassion I have, that stuff Mm -hmm. has skyrocketed since being a mom. Like you are missing out. Yes, multitasking. (laughs) Like being able to be less, not less sensitive because I appreciate my sensitive side, but like Mm -hmm. being able to understand when something happens, like how to not react right away. Like these things that as a previous leader in a business, I didn't do well. And I can see now as a mom, I could be a way bigger benefit to them now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Knowing that and knowing that I have something like to do it for and to do it because, and I just think, man, you'd be silly as a business not to want to employ lots of moms and also give them the flexibility that they need to be a mom. I totally agree. Because you're missing out. Like moms Mm -hmm. are cool. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> we, we get crap done. We, we get, get it done. stuff done in half the time and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got stuff to do. We yeah. can't waste our time on exactly. other stuff for sure. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So I have do have one last question or one more mm-hmm. question. Not one yeah. last question. Um, okay. So you had mentioned having this conversation with your boss of like, I need to step down. Mm-hmm. Being only educated by Grey's Anatomy, I <laughs> I don't understand. So when you say that, like in in a in a normal job, like if I worked at a bank and I said I need mm-hmm. to be part time, mm-hmm. in my experience, it would only work if you had if they had a part time position available. So as a in a hospital, right. being a resident or being an attendee, do you mm-hmm. just get to decide? Or how does that no. work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and so, no, I mean, they, he could have very well said, we are only going to employ you. You have to be full-time to make it worth our while. Um, so he could have totally said that. And then I would have said, okay, I need to, you know, I need to go elsewhere and I'll figure, figure things out. Um, so it really just depends on the job. And so what I ended up doing was working on labor and delivery only. So I gave up my clinic practice and I covered, I did shifts on labor and delivery. And, um, and I think for him, he was smart. He said, well, we can lose her completely or she can work on labor and delivery and then we can shuffle around people in the office. Um, but he could have totally said, no, I'm sorry. Then, you know, you work through your contract and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was luck and flexibility and not all practices are going to be like that. And it's different if you're in private practice, because mm-hmm. if I was, I would have to cover my overhead. Um, how much I work is how much I take home. And if I'm not working enough to cover the overhead, then there, you know, I can't keep doing that. So it really, it's just very individualized for sure. Okay. That's so mm-hmm. crazy. Well, I'm glad that they were able to see the benefit in that mm-hmm. because oh, yes. yeah. now we're here today and we get to hear exactly. you on your expert interview and hear yeah. your mom's story. So yeah. And I'll tell that. you if it, I was at the lowest point then I was thinking, you know, why did I go into medicine? Why did I lock myself into this? And now thankfully I've stuck with it and it's a field where you can have flexibility. And I realize I'm very privileged in that way that I'm able to do things that somebody who does not have that same flexibility, it just can't do. So I'm beyond grateful, but, um, but yeah, in the thick of it, I thought, you know, I'm just not even going to practice medicine because if I can't do it my way, I can't, you know, when you get into that mode, you're so down and you just can't see the end of the tunnel that you're like, that's it. I can't. And I, and I want to be with my, you know, I want to that pull, which again, I never thought I would have, but I was like, Mm -hmm. I want to be home more. Um, and now maybe (laughs) as my kids are older, I'm like, you know what? I love work because I get to talk to adults and I get to finish that cup of coffee. And then I come home and I'm renewed. But then when I work too many shifts in a row, I'm like, no, I need to go home. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's never perfect, but, no, but you I find get that. what works for you. Yes. You find what works for you. And there's no one answer. And I hate the idea, the mom wars of stay-at-home moms, you know, care more, or working moms, or giving their kids a better example. It's all, it's just crap. It's whatever works for you. Because if you're yeah. not happy, it doesn't matter what you're doing because your kids are going to see that. Yes. So. Well, and I do, I would love to have like, a panel of moms and like interview them mm-hmm. like for the podcast and then like at the end disclose who's a stay-at-home mom and who's a working mom because I would mm-hmm. agree through and through that everybody is the same and everybody is a working mom it's oh, just yeah. that yeah. like society says you have this title or you don't right it's mm-hmm. like yeah and that's what's really hard for me that was a big thing for me um when I first left what I thought was like this company that really valued me and you know mm-hmm. I was a really big head honcho and I was working my yeah. way up and I was going to be a manager and like all these things were really like looking good for me and then mm-hmm. I watched as I got pregnant and then these talks of like me coming back and I didn't really understand like why people would ask that and of course I'm coming mm-hmm. back and right also how that conversation's pretty um, like not appropriate and it's not really any yes. of your business and <laughs> exactly. I'll just decide what I want. I didn't really understand right. where I feel like, again, as a mom, my mindset has changed and I would have that conversation very differently today. Um, yep. but at the end of the day, when I decided to stay home, I for sure dealt with this, this like societal shift where when people mm-hmm. asked me what I did, even today, when people ask me what I mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. I always say, Oh, I'm just a mom. I'm just a mom. And Mm -hmm. that is the worst. I hate when people say it. I hate when I say it. 
It's the yeah. worst because you're not just yeah. a mom. Like, first off, you are a mom right. and that's a hard job. And there's also yeah. a lot of other things we do, but it's just so hard to articulate that because we don't have this like check in, check out. And I think it's valuable as stay at home moms and working moms to kind of talk through that, to give some perspective Absolutely. of like what that feels like. Yeah. And when I was, um, that first year when I cut back and I'll, you know, when I was part-time in that practice and I worked with a lot of, you know, just older men, um, and they kept saying things to me, like, I can't believe you've cut back so early in your career. Like, mm. aren't you going to miss it? Don't you hate that you're giving this up? And I would always answer when people would say, oh, are you working? I say, yeah, but I'm just part-time. And it was the same thing, just, um, and that was super hard for me because I felt like I didn't fit in any world. I wasn't, um, at work enough. So they didn't see me as valuable enough to be there full time. And then I wasn't even totally stay at home. So I couldn't even do all the stuff, you know, I'd have to like patch together sitters and all this stuff. And then I'd miss something and somebody would be sick. And so I was still screwing up at the stay at home mom thing. Mm. Um, and it took me a couple of years to own it and feel like, yeah, I am part-time and it's perfect for me. And yeah. some of my colleagues are full-time and it's perfect for them. And, um, and I see it a lot at work, you know, when I'm, we're making small talk during, you know, in between contractions, you know, you talk about whatever. And so we're talking and I say, Oh, you know, what do you do? Or blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Oh, well, you know, I just, I just stay home and I stop. And then I'm like, listen, I was like, you, this baby's about to come out and you're going to like, keep it alive and feed it. And you're going to do amazing mm -hmm. things. And at the end of the day, let's be real. You can't clock out. You can't hand off the pager. You can't like they are little dictators. And yeah. <laughs> yes, they are. Like, this, this is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't want to scare you. You're about to give birth, but, um, yeah. like, don't There's ever, a lot of other don't scarier ever things. <laughs> right. Don't ever just that because I can tell you doing both. There are days where my doctor job is really hard, but there are more days where my mom job is way, way harder. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, and it's because we are not supported. We're not respected or just, it's just harder. It's just, it's not, um, it's not a normal job. We, we are a mom, we are household managers, we are chefs, we are chauffeurs, we are educators, we are um, de-escalation experts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we yeah. Yes. Or we we're trying to be, yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah. We're still oh, trying oh, to read yeah. the articles yes. and oh, figure yeah. out how oh, to yeah. do it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. So I just think hard. the biggest thing is that we are the most like resourceful, resourceful people that I mm -hmm. know. And mm -hmm. I feel lucky to be a part of that group. And it's hard because I also know a lot of people who are trying to be moms. And so mm -hmm. I try yeah. to be really sensitive to that too, because yep. I don't ever want to say, I mean, yes, motherhood is hard, but there are things mm -hmm. that are, that can be harder in motherhood. Oh, There's yeah. things that yeah. can be harder just trying to get to motherhood. So yeah, I get yeah. that. But yes, I would agree that there's like this stigma that's put on working mm -hmm. moms or non-working moms or whatever that become, yeah. it's like this device, but this divider between us where we don't articulate well, like what we mean or ask the right question. And I don't know mm -hmm. where we feel yeah. like an imposter, you know, like I'll say things yeah. like, gosh, I'm so oh, yeah. tired and I'm so busy. And my best friend who does cancer research and has two kids is mm -hmm. like, yeah, I know it's tiring. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, okay, well, wait, I have no room to talk because you have two babies and you work full time <laughs> doing yeah, work do. that's like really yeah. hard and emotional. And yeah. it's just like, but, but no, yes, it's not comparative at all. You know, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, and it's so hard in this day and age where you can see everything on online and social media. And, um, but you just, you don't know, you don't know the struggles. And like you said, you don't know who's out there trying to have a baby and, who wishes they were right where you are and you feel like you're not good enough, but you're somebody else's like epitome of what exactly they want. Yeah. Um, and I hope that it changes, you know, as I feel like I, our generation, I mean, my kids, like the things that they'll say, like, we'll just say, Oh yeah, you know, and so-and-so, yeah, she has two dads, like obviously mom. And like, doesn't even bat an eye. Like that's not even a weird or like a different or not the norm. Like, yes, yeah. of course. And, and so when they're like, yeah, her mom works here or her mom stays at home, like they don't even bat an eye. And I'm hoping like, I hope to God, like this is the generation that finally is like, like, who cares? Like we get it, whatever. Just be you who just you do are. your thing. Do your thing. <laughs> you know? Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Gosh, I would yeah. wish and I hope. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. man. That would be a day yeah. I'd love to see for sure. Yes. I, I, yeah. that's a hard thing for me. Cause I, for sure, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm confused why we care about this. Like, wait a yes. second, who, exactly. who cares if you work or you don't work or you believe that, right. or he just said this, like, I'm, I know. 
I know. Where did this all come in from? Like, I'm just yeah. trying to take a shower, you guys. Like, I'm just trying to, like, look decent before I, I get know. out of the house because I wrestled with a two-year-old for three hours. And Exa- right, exactly. Yep. One yep, armpit shaved me. and one's not. Like, that's what I'm trying to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> Or like, is the dishwasher dirty? Like, how dirty is it? Like, can you use these dishes again? I know. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Yep. Okay. What has been the most, like, I would say, I'll do two-part questions. So what's been Mm -hmm. the most rewarding thing about being two parents in the medical field? And then, like, Mm -hmm. the scariest thing about being two parents in the medical field? (laughs) Yeah. So the most rewarding, like, I'm not even going to lie about it. It's that we can get appointments. So we have had some medical needs with our kids. And if we have been outside of the system, we would have to wait months. We would have to, you know, Mm -hmm. go to people we don't want to, but because we have friends who, you know, they're this doctor or they know this, or we know how to schedule this, we've been able to do that. And that um, has been amazing, but it has also really angered me because when I haven't had those connections and I've had to go through the system, Mm -hmm. like anybody else, I sit there and I'm like, no wonder everybody hates doctors and the system is broken. (laughs) And I I don't know how I would um, function. And yet that's how everybody has to function. And it's not fair. It's not fair at all. And so what has at least given me some hope is that my husband in his private practice, he has been able to say, here's how we need to make this easier for parents. Like we had to do this and parents shouldn't have to do that. So I feel like we're not totally selfish and just basking in the fact that when my kid needed to get into an allergist after an anaphylactic reaction, we could do it in a day as opposed to three weeks. Yeah. Um, we're able to try to make some change. So, you know, I'm trying to feel like, okay, at least this is good because we can try to change this. Um, well, I say take advantage of that. I, for yeah. me personally, like yeah. I feel like if I had an in like that, that's, mm-hmm. that's your right. You also went to medical school and did residency and was pregnant. It's like you kind of earned your right to be like, <laughs> I get first dibs on this. Okay, right. guys. Like, I gave up, I gave up my twenties and we're six figures in debt. Can I please just be seen tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> no, I will. And I'm thankful. I never yeah. take it for granted. Um, but, and I will also say having to navigate our parents through some healthcare situations too. Mm. Um, it's opened my eyes like, oh my gosh, um, about why people hate this healthcare system. And I, I agree hundred percent. And I do not get angry when people are angry at me because, you know, I called in 12 times. I'm like, I get it. Like, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, and I would say the most challenging thing for us is, um, is when we know the stuff and, you know, it could be a common cold or it's measles. Like we have yeah. a hard time, stepping back. And, but I do think what we're good at is we're not our children's doctors. We still take our kids to a pediatrician. We still, you know, like I, people have asked us, why do you do that? You can, you know, you can be your kid's doctor. Like what? That's not fair to us or to them. Yeah. Because you know, when it's your kid, you're never objective, right? It's, it's the worst case scenario. It's the, you know, and I love having a doctor who I can unload on and I can, um, say, I don't want you to talk to me in medical terms. Please talk to me as a mom. And that's the pediatrician that we have and that we've stuck with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. She's like, Jen, I'm going to talk to you like anybody else. I'm like, great. Cause I don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah. um, my older son wears bifocals and he has, um, he has a accommodative esotropia and astigmatism. And I, I don't even know what all those words mean, except his eyes are really bad. And we mm-hmm. have to go to the ophthalmologist like every six months. I have no clue what she's talking about, but um, she's a fellow uh, mom doc in one of our online groups. So I'm like, talk to me. Like, you don't even know anything. Cause I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Cause I feel like, you know, um, we've been with people before who have not acknowledged that. And when I'm in the office, I just want to be a mom. And my yeah. husband just wants to be a dad, even though he's a pediatrician, he just wants to be the dad. He wants to say, just hear me out, um, and be told to be reassured. Um, and that has taught me that sometimes your words and, and just reassuring people, you know, can go very far. So yeah, for sure. The hardest things are seeing the scary stuff. Um, mm-hmm. the stuff I see at work, the stuff that we've done in our training, we have seen the worst of it. And sometimes, um, you know, the stuff that you see on TV, sometimes those hard, you just come home and you hug your kids and you're just so yeah. thankful that you, that you have them because not everybody is, is, is lucky to get through life unscathed. Um, yeah, it's sure. so hard. And I think that's hard to having then had a kid and then um, have to be the OBGYN who has to deliver the bad news or have that outcome. Um, As a mom, um, 
and I'm not saying you have to be a mom to be a good doctor, but certainly it's added that next level of, I can totally sit here and cry with you because I'm feeling all these feelings too right now. Um, it's hard. Oh, that, that right there. I don't even know how you do that. Do they train you? on that kind of stuff in school or is that just not well no I would assume no the first time I had to pronounce a patient dead was this young woman she had died from ovarian cancer and she was (sighs) her she had two kids who were young and I'd never done this before nobody told me how to do it and I asked the nurse I said what do I what do I do and she's like well you just go in there and you know their heart's not beating and you just take a time and I was like I feel like I could use some guidance here um and yeah, and I walked out of that room and I just went into the medication room and I bawled and, you know, nurses are coming in and out and they're like, it gets easier. And I'm like, I don't think it does. <laughs> well, and like, it shouldn't, um, like, I don't, it shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and I mean, I've gotten better at it, but mm-hmm. it's not gotten easier, but I think we are getting better at training doctors when it comes to that sort of things. But when I went through it, I just, you know, you just did it. And that was really hard because you go home and you're like, what the hell just happened? Because after yeah. that, then I, you have to go deliver a baby and put on your smiley face. And oh. this is, the, this is this par- family's best moment. I have to be there for them. And that's part of the training. I think just, you know, you have to be present. Um, cause you can't let good outcomes or bad outcomes, you know, skew you, you have to try to stay objective, but you're also human, right? Like, and that's where you have to come home and unload or find a healthy outlet because physician suicide rates are ridiculously high. Um, oh, really? F- yeah. And women in the general population, men, um, they commit more suicide and they, they are successful more frequently. So they try it and they do it. Whereas women in general try it and they're not successful, but female physicians, we are more successful at completing suicide than male physicians. And I say, it's just because we, you know, we have to be perfect at everything. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we, and we bear it harder, I think. And so there's a lot more awareness, I think, to, you know, the toll that things are taking, but we still have a, we still have a ways to go. Wow, um, for sure. But I, and you know, I like that I'm married to a physician because he can understand when I'm like, I need to talk about this or I can't talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's I'm nice. sure and then that helps. I'm, yeah. And then I'm thankful for my kids where I, you know, we just had a really difficult day just a few weeks ago. And the next day came home, my kids were in school and I was like, Oh God, this house is empty and I'm replaying things. And then I got called to pick up my youngest cause he had a fever. And I was just so thankful because <laughs> they, it's all about them, right? The kids, like they yeah. keep you in the moment. And so I had him to just keep me grounded and just, you know, be like, mom, I need my mom today. I don't, you know, don't think about that stuff. I need you. And yeah. Um, so yeah, man, it's, mm-hmm. I, I really hope that there is like a decompression class or something mm-hmm. that helps yeah. doctors. Cause I just can't even fathom. Um, yeah. They're getting there and like. they're, they're doing more with mental health and following up I really and debriefs hope so. and, yeah. But they still, I mean, there's still a ways to go. But I think it's changing too because now women are now in the in the medical field more. Where we are, what I think it's 50% of doctors and 60% of medical students. So it, as more females come through, I think we tend to be more in tune with that. And so we are changing yeah. that. And we're mm-hmm. saying, hey, it's okay to talk about this at work. It's not a sign of weakness to say, I need a couple of days because I'm really distressed or, yeah. um, you know, as opposed to, well, you just go in and listen and there's no heartbeat. You just, you just go sign the paperwork. Like that's all you need to do. Like, oh. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I just so. can't even, yeah. oh, that sounds yeah. awful. That's why I used to really be like, oh, I had a bad day at work. And then I'd talk to my friend and she'd be like, well, I, you know, had to tell a patient that the, you know, test last mm-hmm. chance drug isn't going to work. Oh, and yeah. that's just kind of the end. And I was like, okay, yeah. well, I didn't have that bad of a day at work. Yeah. Like, perspective Ugh, is know. a really good medicine as well. Yeah. But see, and that's why I could never be a pediatrician because thankfully in my neck of the woods, things most of the time go right. And, um, and patients are healthy, but in pediatrics, I just could not, I could not care for kids with cancer. I could not, mm. I just couldn't because kids are innocent. I don't care. Kids, you know, I just couldn't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm sure it's terrifying. The reason why I asked about, I was interested to know if that was one of your fears of like, you know, all Mm -hmm. these things that can happen. And so, Mm -hmm. cause I do, I'm hypochondriac just, (laughs) just naturally. Like I remember I just went to the doctor recently and I was like, I get this really bad pain. Like it could be like an ovarian cyst and it could be all the stuff. My doctor's like, you're just ovulating. And that's just like what happens. And I was like, 
okay, yeah, fine. And, but every time I'm like, this could be a cyst and I could be like right. all these feelings. Anyways. Of course. But with Grayson, it's like times 10 because oh, yeah. when he gets yeah. sick, I'm like, oh my gosh, is this mm-hmm. going to be some thing that's going to come? And it's this virus that's been around. So I really try. Right. I actually believe ignorance is bliss. Oh, in that is. place, is, yeah. like I hear about mm-hmm. things, even just recently, there's this uh, terrible disease that's going around. It's brought in from China. One of the cases oh, yes. is just yeah, miles away from us. Yeah, I know. Great, right? And <laughs> and they traveled to the SeaTac airport. And so we mm-hmm. were on the ferry the other day. And I was like, oh, my gosh, people go to the airport. And then they get on the ferry. And I'm just like, and so I'm like, you know what? I'd better off just not know. Like, because yep, guess what? What am I going to do other than right keep him as clean as I can, just like I do every other day. Like, right. Yeah. However, and for us, um, Oh no, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Just quickly. I went, we recently, he did get sick, right. When we moved into this house. So of course I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this house must have something in its walls or in the carpet. Like I'm <laughs> exactly, like, Oh, it couldn't yeah. just be that it's November and everybody gets sick and he's tired and whatever. But it's, I took him. It's that worst case scenario, you know? Yeah. Well, and worst case, I took him to Seattle Children's and not uh-huh. they are a wonderful hospital and I'm very thankful mm-hmm. for what they've done. But this doctor or nurse, I'm not quite sure to be honest, mm-hmm. came in and mm-hmm. they were great. And <clears throat> we hadn't given our son the flu shot. And that's just Mm -hmm. something I have always had a really hard time. My body's always had a really hard time processing the flu shot. So Mm -hmm. it makes me nervous to give it to him Mm -hmm. at such a young age. Anyways, so I've always had all these questions. I've talked to my doctor about it, whatever. But so she's like, did you have the flu shot? And I said, no. And so she's kind of like, well, it's too late to test for the flu, but I can, and this is how we do it. And I was like, that sounds Mm -hmm. awful because... Why would I put my child through that? (laughs) And then I'm like, well, could it be anything else? He's had a fever for like four days or five days and he's just not getting better. And Mm -hmm. it's just worse and worse. And then this beautiful woman decides to tell me like three things that it could be. And I am like, (laughs) wait a second. I don't know if I want to know that. And then she's talking about like cases she's seen that night. And then I'm like, did you shout? Did you wash your hands before you came in here? Like, obviously all those things are just like me taking the extreme. But that oh, was the moment that I was like, I don't want to know about this stuff. Like, yeah, sometimes even exactly. the mom's groups I'm on and they post stuff. I'm like, I don't want to know this exists. Oh, I'm yeah. OK no. not knowing that this is in the world. Yep. Yep. And that's what so my husband, sometimes he'll be like, OK, well, it could be this. It could be this. I said, stop talking. Tell me what you think <laughs> it is. And I don't want to hear what like the two percent chances because I'm going to freak out and I understand what you're doing. Um, but the flip side of that is, you know, when our young when our kids would get fevers and there's certain things that you can just tell, like, um like roseola or um, parvovirus, like when they yeah. get those, you know, the slap cheeks. And so we're like total dorks. We're like, look, the fever curve. And look, his cheeks are all red. And we're high five. And we're like, we totally called it. And, you know, I mean, while our kid's miserable, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, that's you awesome. know, I'm like, this is so great. Like you got your first, you know, parvovirus. And then the roseola was the best because when, you know, the whole rash, we're like, this is so textbook. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Uh, you know, and meanwhile, the preschool teacher is like, um, should I be worried? He's like, no, no, it's fine. It's not measles. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I guess that would be the flip side of it. At least you understand mm-hmm. the like, because as this doctor is describing this to me, I'm like, wait a second. So does he die? Like what happens? <laughs> and again, she's like, no, it just goes yeah. away. And so I'm like, well, then don't tell me. Like, exactly. I don't want to know. know if he's know. fine. Yep. No, I'm oh. the same way. Yeah. And my husband too. I'm like, just tell me how much ibuprofen. That's all I want to yes. know because I can't Thank figure you. out stupid dose and I don't care how smart you may think I am. I can't read this bottle. It makes no sense. Like I don't understand. <laughs> or you go to the drugstore and you're like, there's 72 different bottles. I don't, yes. I have a medical degree and I have no idea which one's the right one. So how do we expect people to, who've never had any training, like this is not right. <laughs> too yes. many choices. Well, yeah. You know? yes. yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Well, and <laughs> I remember when Grayson was very young and he, I can't remember, we had gone to the pediatrician so much. Again, I was like mm-hmm. in the middle of firing one, trying to find a new one. Just right. Because <laughs> it was so awful. And no one would really trust us. Like we were like, he's just mm-hmm. not sleeping. I think it's like reflux. Is everything working? Mm-hmm. But of course they're like, just wait. And I'm like, how about you come to my house and <laughs> exactly. play with this baby while I sleep? And then we can talk about waiting. Like, what do you Exa- think? Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, but one of the nurses, I don't know, had the audacity to tell me that teething is not real and that mm, it's not painful. Yeah. And 
Yeah. It's it's just like a myth and mm-hmm. kids just get fevers and mm-hmm. are just cranky. And so I was mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, what? Like, yeah. don't tell me that. I believe it's yeah. real. And so my husband, unfortunately, was there that day. <laughs> and so he <laughs> took the stance of like, well, if the doctor said it, that's what's right. happening. Yeah. And I was like, well, people also say PMS isn't real. So like, let's talk right. about that too. Anyway, but from that point on, my husband's like, we don't really need to give a medicine. And I'm like, mm-hmm. we need to give a medicine. Like, yeah. It's just oh, yeah. this constant battle in our house of like, oh, I know, I know. Do you give it? Well, do you I not? Will... I will tell you, my husband too, in residency training, had no kids. You know, there's no data to show that teething causes fevers or causes diarrhea. And then enter our babies who do all of that. And he's like, I was so stupid. I would never (laughs) tell a parent that ever again. He's like, he goes, I am just, you know, he's like, I'm like, duh, I told you this. I didn't need a book. It just give me ibuprofen. Again, give me ibuprofen. We're always like, wait, look, did yeah. he look at us the wrong way? Give it to him because then they'll sleep. Yes. Because um, yeah, sleep so, is like so crucial. I know. Yeah. So um, so thankfully he was humble to realize or humble oh, enough good. to say, okay, that is bullshit. I'm so glad. <laughs> I I will yeah. never forget her face. I seriously looked yeah. at her like I'm sorry. Are you really telling me this right now in yeah. front of this guy yeah. who's going to believe you mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. going to have to battle it forever? Yeah. And then my youngest was the worst um, spit up. I just like he was oh. a volcano, but was the happiest kid. You know, he's what they call the happy spitter. And But, you know, just spit up everywhere. Like we probably left more of his DNA all over Portland. Like it's just <laughs> disgusting. But my husband said, well, you know, it's it's not a it's not a medical problem. It's just it's a laundry problem because it's just a lot of laundry. And so in the middle of the night, when it's like the fourth time I had to change out the sheets because he can't sleep because he's in spit up. I said, if you ever tell a mother it's just <laughs> a laundry problem, I'm going to find the laundry and I'm going to smother you with it because <laughs> it is my mental health. It's out the window. And he's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I told you yes yeah yes like I will never say that ever again thank you well and I don't mean to to knock pediatricians but when I Mm -hmm. did go in so I won't go down our whole path but basically Grayson was experiencing very similar like a lot of um spit up he couldn't Mm -hmm. sleep on his back he had to sleep on my Mm -hmm. chest like I mean it was awful like eight weeks I slept on a couch with him on my chest barely trying to figure Mm -hmm. out breastfeeding which was not magical for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) all the things um and so I finally this is funny we had a pediatrician and then we went to the like walk-in version of our doctors thinking Mm -hmm. we could like get around her (laughs) and be like hey we need this help and they were like the doctor came in and was like, so your current pediatrician, it looks like, and I was like, oh no, they found us. Like we're never <laughs> going to be able to hide from her. So eventually oh, we got a new doctor, yeah. but th- yeah. I remember at this walk-in clinic, I mean, I'm so tired. Grayson had literally puked all over me and the, mm-hmm. in the room and wouldn't breastfeed. I didn't have my nipple yeah. shield. Like all this stuff was happening. Oh, yeah. And the doctor printed out a purple cry. She was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, colic, we really want to talk about the purple cry method. And I mm-hmm. almost showed her what a purple cry looked like. Because right. exactly. I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> like, Weird. what yeah. is this? I mean, even if it's real, like, it's just, it's not helpful for me at this time to really understand yeah. the purple cry method. Right, exactly. And I think that is just the key. Like, I have come to that as a parent and as a doctor. And I know my husband, I mean, he really, I'm kind of annoyed that he's like also the father of my children because I feel like he'd be a really great pediatrician to have too but we can't use him because you know but it's this idea of trusting your gut and Mm. you know he says to his patients and I say to my like what is your gut telling you because I can tell you what I think's going on but if you're telling me this isn't right like we should you know and like same thing with me I know my kid is not right and this is not okay or or you know what he's going to be fine like we can have all the handouts and all the well they're gaining weight and well but yeah but what about like what's what's your gut? Like what's really going on? Um, Cause that's, that is so important. And it's not just to say that doctors don't know anything or that moms don't know anything. It's about like the two finding common ground because there's something when a mom's comes into labor and delivery or a patient comes in and she's like, something's not right. I'm like, right. It's not like, that's not okay. I can't let you go home and just be like, well, everything's grand. You're crazy. Like we have to look into this, you know, like, (laughs) so. Well, and it's so important just as a mom or even as a dad, Mm -hmm. I should say too, to understand Mm -hmm. that your gut has a relevance, like Mm -hmm. that you should advocate for yourself and you should, even if you don't have a doctor giving you that spiel, like you Mm -hmm. should also say like, this just isn't working for me. 
Right. And I don't know if I learned that early on enough. Mm -hmm. Thankfully now I have a doctor that's very much so takes that approach of like, well, what do you think? And, and she's great. But like before our previous doctor didn't, and I didn't know I could say things like, right. Well, no, I, I want this, or I think this is the best course of action. Instead. I was like, God, I'm lost. Like she doesn't listen yeah. to me. She doesn't like right. me. Like, what did I do wrong? Right. And yeah, now I get it. It's terrifying. Totally it. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, man, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, <laughs> like about anything. So it's super fun. I we might it. just have to make this be a regular thing. There we go. We'll yep. have a medical yeah. podcast. Exactly. And I'll just give my own <laughs> non-medical advice. <laughs> it's perfect. Listen, it's, you know, it's whatever works. And if the kids are staying asleep while we're doing it, like it's just yes. even better. <laughs> yeah, it's even better. I like that. Okay. Well, one last question then, which yeah. is, um, just thinking about like your motherhood journey of mm-hmm. having this like medical background, sticking to your guns of like, I want to work and then understanding mm-hmm. what that actually meant for you and all the things you've learned in motherhood. What's your one piece of like mama advice that you mm-hmm. have? Oh, that's so good. Um, I think one would be drink the coffee. Don't let it get cold. That's the first one. <laughs> My kids know, like, mom hasn't had her coffee yet. But um, on a serious note, I would say just know um, things can change and be open to that. Don't ever be so stuck to what you think you're supposed to be doing or what somebody has told you you're supposed to be doing. Um, because if it doesn't feel right, then it's not right. And don't feel like you have to stick to something because society is going to value you less or your kids Mm -hmm. are not going to look up to you or your husband or your partner expects something of you or you expect something of you. And I really think it's that internal voice because we are way worse critics of ourselves than anybody else. Um, I'm guilty of it every day. Um, And I think it's, it's that voice that's making you doubt yourself um, or is telling you, I'm not happy. Listen to it and address it. Um, and, and understand that it's okay to change the path if it's not working for you. And you might say every 10 years, oh, I'd never do this. I'd never do this. And every 10 years mm-hmm. after that, you are. And it's exactly where you needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that. And then just one more is self-care. We, it's so sexy to talk about, but mm-hmm. we have to do it. And it's not about the massage or the fancy thing. It's truly finding what works for you and checking in with yourself. Because if you are losing it, you can't be there for anybody else. And if that yeah. means that you have to say no to something or to people or say no when your kid asks if you want to play because it's just going to send you over the edge because you're going to play with them and you're going to get annoyed and you're just thinking about your to-do list, it's okay to say no. Yeah. Women do not like to say no, again, myself included. Um, but saying no is saying yes to something else. And it's okay to prioritize you because if you had a daughter, wouldn't you want your daughter when she's a mom to do that? Like, we forget about that. Um, we, we put ourselves on the bottom rung of the ladder and we let everybody step on us. And that's not okay for us. Cause we're not going to be around long enough to help our family if we're so depleted. Yeah. And that's a lesson I'm still learning. So yeah. I'm so not perfect at that. Um, so taking time, it's okay to get the babysitter, even if you're just a stay at home mom, which you're not just mm. because it's okay to say, I need to go out for three hours, even if it's just to drink coffee. Like it's okay. Yeah. Um, don't feel guilty. I love that you shared that. I actually Mm -hmm. recently went to a group and um, a women's in business group, which I Mm -hmm. always feel really out of place in because I don't feel like that's where I'm at. But I'm like, do we have a women's in passion group? Because I just have a lot of passion. I love that. (laughs) Can I I talk here? Uh, Anyways, I went to this women's in business group and this uh, woman gave a phenomenal kind of walkthrough of like this wellness wheel and applies to your business. And she did talk about self-care, self-care. Mm-hmm. And she said something very similar of like, you have to find what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And it, it might not be a massage. It might not be this downtime. And it's funny because she said, you know, it might be that you get a cup of tea and you sit on the couch and you read a book with a blanket and that just might be it. And I thought, mm-hmm. gosh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Like a blanket. Yeah, a absolutely. Book. And then I was like, wait a second, I don't even like to read. And <laughs> honestly, if I sat down on the couch with a blanket, I'd rather have Netflix on or be right, like binging yes. on my Netflix. Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, oh, wow, I need to stop romanticizing what I mm-hmm. think self-care looks like and right. actually figure out what it does look like for me. Right. Yeah. For me today, it was my kids were playing peacefully and I was like, I'm going to clean this closet because I've had this stuff in here and I just want to organize it. And most people say, well, that's not self-care. But for me, that 
I'm a doer. So that yes. was awesome for me because that at the end of it, I was like, look at this pile of stuff to donate. Because again, I, I love to purge just like you. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that to me, that was self-care. And it was awesome because it was me doing that. And I told my kids, you know what? I'm not going to play yet another round of bug bingo with you because I really am not feeling it. Um, yeah. and, that, and I don't feel guilty because when I do say yes to you, you know that I really want to be there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important message to send to kids. Like it's okay to say no, it's okay to say yes. Um, but you have to take care for yourself. Otherwise nobody else will. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Jen, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, so fun. I feel like I could just steal all your time. <laughs> I could just take it all, but instead, if you buy me coffee, I will. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? The next time I'm in Portland, yes. that's happening, Yeah. which yeah, I sure. like Portland. So I will be there very soon. Yeah, no, it's a fun town. Just, you know, I mean, the rain, we're both suffering from it right now. It's, ugh, but it's okay. You know what, though? <laughs> I actually love the rain. Earlier, you talked about the, like, July or the January yeah. and how it's so dark and whatever. And yeah. I, this is, like, my favorite time of the year. It's so yeah, funny. It is cozy. I'm so, is. I'm so opposite. Yeah. I don't like spring or summer. <laughs> I love fall, winter. I, yeah. No, it just, is. That's it's cozy. My, I totally get it. I yeah. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I honestly cannot uh, thank you enough. I know our listeners are going to be so grateful for all the advice and just all the wisdom that you shared tonight. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you're hooked, you can subscribe to this podcast, follow along on social media at The Mama Stories, or visit the website, mamastories.com. And mamas, I love you.